Nick. Hey, there you are. How you doing? Good. Can you hear me? Uh, yes, I can. Okay, I can hear you perfectly. All right, great. Thank you so much for being on. Oh, absolutely, dude. Thank you for having me up. I'm going to you've been recording nonstop, too. Yeah, I I just like to start right away, if that's okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's sort of like my style, what I do. Uh, this is actually uh, going to be the first episode of Season 9. Ooh, excellent. And what's crazy is there's so many seasons because... Even though I've only been doing it for like two years, the the interview part um, of this podcast is I do 30 episodes a season. Oh, very nice. So I've gone through like over 90 comedians. (laughs) Good Lord. So it's just awesome to like just meet people. And of course, I love to like see how everyone in the community is doing. Well, that's what actually what... um... Not like a podcast so much, but I might do like a mini vlog or something like that when I go back to Nevada next month, because you probably saw I got booked for a show out there. Yeah. Is that your first time going to be in Nevada doing comedy? Uh, Second, third time, actually, because I only did two open mics there this past January. And, you know, networking is important. So I just like talk to literally everybody that I could out there. Uh added them on facebook instagram so i just messaged as many people as i could and one dude said talk to this guy but then he said talk to this girl but then the girl said talk to this guy that you just talked to so i ended up booking a show at a place called noreen's lounge in paradise which is probably a couple miles away from the las vegas strip but it's Mm -hmm. a show and it pays right that's great yeah that's so awesome that you're having that like i saw you you were booked on a bunch of stuff and i was like I remember I saw you, um, must have been like a month ago, at uh, the library mic that we have. Eaton Town, yeah, yeah. You drove a long time to get there, and I felt so bad, but you had such a great set. I was like, oh, this is like really, really good. Ah, uh, not, not even. I wouldn't even say it's good either. Like I, just after just being angry in my car in traffic for two hours, it's like okay, I don't even want to do this now, but I'm going to anyway. Right. It's like you have to make the best of it whenever you have something like that happen. You're just like, because that's one of the toughest things with comedy is just traveling places. And especially with how gas is now, it's just like, oh, absolutely. It's like, oh, wow, I could just go to the Jersey Shore right now and decompress. No, I'm going to talk to people that I know in a library for six minutes. Right. (laughs) And uh, like, I can hear it now in your voice. You have like a great, like, deep, like, distinctive voice. I think that really helps with your way of like pronunciation and stuff. Were you, um, what's your experience with performing? Did you perform at all in anything before you did stand up? Uh, what exactly? Like, like did you do any theater or anything? Say it again. I'm sorry. Did you do any theater or music or anything? I never took theater or anything. Like, I took improv classes at oh. the Rhino in the past before it closed down with like, just, oh. you know, like I said, people that I know. I wasn't, like, too dedicated to it. I just did, like, the small little things that they did, like, recreationally. Yeah, I did Um, local improv. But as far as, like, me getting a start in entertainment, I used to do background acting. It started off very small, like, college and indie films. And Uh then it progressed to uh, actually seeing myself for a few frames on TV. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, like, the first gig I ever did was, like, uh, I think it was, like, 
part of like a film festival or something. It's something I never got to see, but it wasn't far from me. I had to go over to Westchester. So right. traffic was easy to get to. Um, and then it just slowly progressed to getting calls back eventually. Because, you know, getting casted for anything is hard, even as an extra on like oh, primetime sure. TV. So let me tell you like some of the biggest things I've ever done. Um, let's see. I think the biggest thing where I got to see myself for a continuous amount of time. Mm-hmm. In 2017, I got to be on set of Law & Order SVU. Oh, wow. Yep. So I had to travel to into the city it was like an hour and a half trip i went to hell's kitchen and you know it was it was pretty annoying because you know like comedy you're just waiting around all day till the fun happens so i'm sitting and holding for maybe like four maybe five hours and then we go to set i i I got to meet detective benson mariska oh that's awesome she was very polite and i'm a huge law and order svu fan so that's like really cool to hear about (laughs) No, it like she was frustrated with like the set because even as an actress, she knows this scene should not be that hard to take. It was like three camera angles already set up. Let's get the shit done. And like she was like very polite to the extras because she could see that we're as impatient as she was. And oh, she's yeah. the one getting paid the most. But I got to see myself for maybe like a good seven seconds, and that's a long time. Right. Yeah, I've heard about, like, tapings of that, that they're just, like, so crazy. I remember they have, like, a new cast member now, and they're just, like, talking about how crazy it is. And I can just not imagine, like, the pressure of just being, like, okay, I gotta be in the right place and everything. That's gotta be... But that got to be really exciting to be, like, oh, wow, this is, like, actual TV. That's... <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, when did you start doing stand-up? Are you there? Oh, hey, sir. Hey, sorry about that. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, start over? We don't. Ha- we can just start from where we were left off. I saved what I got. <laughs> TV, but uh, stand up. I started technically in 2015. Oh. I wasn't, you know, like axe to the grindstone about it. I did an open mic once in a while and thought I was hot shit doing that. <laughs> right. But you know, like I, I was going to like school, um, just doing 10 million different types of jobs, including the background acting. Um, but in terms of continuously doing stand up. I started that in 2018, around, like, Christmas, something like that. So, realistically, I think I'm only, like, three and a half years in, probably close to four now. Right. Why is my phone ringing right here? I have to go in a different room so that doesn't pick up. Oh, okay. Uh, Well, yeah, it's always interesting when you get into stand-up, like, it's so tough what you're going to do how you're going to get into it because you just get into the world. Can you hear my chickens outside? A little bit. <laughs> now I have to close the window. I'm sorry for all the background. No, it's okay. No quiet place in Florida, New York. No, don't worry about it. It's fine. There's plenty of stuff. There's always stuff. There's always stuff that you can hear. But, uh, I'd be surprised if my dog starts barking too soon. So. 
what kind of dog do you have? I have a blackmouth cur dog, but it's like breeds like what Great Pyrenees or something like that. Uh, it's a southern breed. Ah. Uh, well, anyway, right. But anyway, with stand up, when you started to do it, like every once in a while, uh, like where was that? Was that just in New York? Ah, uh, yeah, just places near me. There were uh, little cafes with open mics, like places with open mic music, poetry slams, you know, mixed things everywhere. So it's it, it, that was actually a lot harder to do because. I think people were there more for music and poetry. Most of all, they weren't expecting comedy. So oh, yeah. I didn't know what kind of audience I was really working with. And no one ever really tells you what kind of demographics and ages and right. types of people you're going to be around. And you're the same set you do all the time isn't always going to make everybody laugh, even as a starter. Right. That can be really tough, you know, when you're starting out and you're just like, I don't know what crowds are going to be like how people are going to react to my stuff. Like, was your stuff, like, I don't want to say, like, family-friendly, but was it, was it okay? Like, did people, did you feel like people gravitated towards it quickly? Um, the first time I did it, like I said, 2015, the first time I did it, people gravitated toward it. I got laughs. I thought it was very good. Um, the second time I did it, I went to, like, one of those, like, hipster cafes where they're all playing, like, right. punk songs and, I don't know what, I don't know what, like, Death Cab for Cutie. And right. They're all covering Green Day. So they're all a bunch of hipsters. Yeah, that's I'm all. Doing, like, <laughs> I'm doing, like, cheap political humor and right. stuff like that because there's the Trump-Hillary era. Right. So that, they were like, why doesn't this guy have a guitar? I'm like, oh, shit, I'm in the wrong place. That's like my favorite. Those are like my favorite places to do comedy, but it's it's so weird to look back at that because I mean, you yeah, know, people, but the thing that's like so weird about that time. That was a really tough time. Like I started doing stand up around that time, and that was a really crazy uh, time period because everyone thought that like political jokes, like mostly towards like the president stuff was like hack so like no one really wanted to do it but everyone wanted I mean, to do good jokes like overdone like that's all it was and people just wanted to do wanted to hear good jokes and that was the part of it so we went through it a lot of like but it was a really interesting era where a lot of people did stand up and a lot more women did stand up which was really cool but it was but it just sort of like dissipated, and then uh, it sort of is crazy how the people that stuck around stuck around. But that is always I always think when that happens, when there's something in the air, people start talking more and doing more and performing more, and that's always a a really cool thing. Uh, who are your uh, like people growing up that you liked? Uh, your like influences. Well, I always say this to everybody that asks me, like, what got me into stand-up? Uh, it was uh, Daniel Tosh, because oh. growing, up, growing up, I never really watched legitimate stand-up comedy. Like, I was sort of restricted by my parents from watching stuff on, say, like, MTV, mm-hmm. Comedy Central. Just, you know, like, more adult contemporary shows, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, like, I remember even, like, middle school, high school, the biggest thing was, like, what, Jersey Shore, that was the most popular thing. It was oh, yeah. up, it was 
funny and like controversial the memes were born from it so stuff like that i could never watch so like by the time i got to maybe i'd like to say 11th grade that's when i discovered like you know oh not open my gum stand-up comedy specials because I kind of right. had to just wait for my dad to fall asleep on the couch before flicking the TV to Tosh.0 or something like that. Right. And, like, I was hooked on Tosh.0, but I didn't know Daniel Tosh was a stand-up. So I found his special on YouTube. People were, you know, like, pirating a lot yeah. of the day. So I watched uh, Completely Serious from 2007. Oh, uh, so great. He's one of my favorite comics. thing I watched, but then... OG YouTube before like it is what it is now. Mm-hmm. Like, recommended for you, I found like the Laugh Factory page because Daniel Tosh had like three videos on there. Right. Then I discovered guys like Bobby Lee and Dave Chappelle, and you know I knew who these guys were, but I didn't watch stand-up comedy. So right. It was it was very new to me. Yeah. Once you get into like that space, like I remember it was like two thousand eight ish that like. It was so funny because when I was growing up, like, before that, it was just only on Comedy Central were three comics for Gabriel Iglesias, uh, Dane Cook, and, uh, who else was there? And, uh, Jeff, and Jeff Dunham. So those were the three. And then when I discovered, like, HBO and stuff, that was when I discovered, like, Louis C.K. and Bo Burr, and that was when I really got into it. So... I was gonna say, that hit eventually because... I think I remember I was, like, sixth grade, so that was around the same time, 2008. Yeah. Like, I saw commercials all the time for Louie on FX, but yeah. I never, you know, got the opportunity to watch it. I never questioned it. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'm going to watch Cartoon Network still or something. Right. Uh, I didn't, literally, I didn't, like, listen to Louis C.K. until, like, 2016. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. So, that, yeah, him, uh... Let's see, Anthony Jeselnik. Oh, oh yeah. Well, Jeselnik. Just, just the legends, like uh, right. Chris Rock, George Carlin, Pryor, etc. Like, I went down, like, a rabbit hole of comedy just to... Right. Oh, wait, that's what all, that's all those references all those guys were saying growing up that I never knew. So, like I said, it was new to me. Right. And, uh... So, uh... It's funny you mentioned Tosh, because, like, he's one of my favorite comics. Is he someone that, like, you like as, like, that you would name as an influence? Do you think? I mean, I'm seeing him in September, actually. Oh, that's awesome. I gotta see... I saw him in New York in, like, 2011, maybe, I think it was. And what was so funny was uh, Kyle Kinane was, like, brand new to being, like, a professional comic, and he was opening for him. And I was, like, the oh, only man. person in the audience who knew who Kyle Kinane was. <laughs> and I, I felt so bad for him that he was like, opening for this megastar. Like joke where he's like, oh, uh, I'm a cop, or what, what he's like, so why do you like being a cop? He's like, oh, well, it pays $10,000 more than a post office, and you get a gun. And you get a gun. <laughs> he's just fantastic. Those chickens, they, are, they won't shut the fuck up out there. <laughs> um, I'm switching rooms again. Right. Yeah, it always happens. You know, I just need stuff, but, uh, yeah, that was me. Uh, but, um, that's really cool. Uh, so when you started doing stand up, like, what was the stuff that you, like, started talking about first when you were doing stand up? Like I said, it was just like the Trump Hillary era, so I just made, like, 40 freaking political jokes. Right. Uh, 
like, like any, like any other person, like, what are you call Donald Trump's hair, or like, what does Hillary Clinton and blah 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 have? Honestly, I can't remember exactly what I had because you always got to write stuff down. I just did shit off the top of my right. head, or just quickly took out my phone to look at something. Um, so stuff like that. Was it ever uh, the rest was like right? I tried to give myself a Mitch Hedberg personality, like try one liners out. Oh yeah, dark or clean. One-liners are the toughest to write. I, I know a couple of comics who do that that I'm close friends with. And it's one of the, like, styles that I really... I try to do sometimes. And it's one of the, like, things that I have the most respect for. Because it's so much just joke, joke, joke. And it's really tough to put into, like, a space of, like, an order. It's like, okay, just really clever, short stuff. And it's really, like, simple... It's sort of like basic, like, writing, uh, like, set up punchline. It's, like, really perfect with that. So, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, so, with, um, I saw on your, uh, Facebook, when I was looking up your age, uh, and you mentioned, like, the, talking about the political stuff, I saw that you were a libertarian, and that's interesting to me. I was like, was that ever, did you ever get any pushback? Don't, don't tell Liam Burdett that. No, that's fine. <laughs> I refuse to call him Liam Wolf. <laughs> that makes sense. character. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm a lefty like him, but, uh, yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah, so before you get to your thing, I was going to say, like, I surprisingly, there are a lot of libertarians that you want to know. Oh, yeah. What I hate is that we get grouped being Republican just because we lean the slightest bit right. But it's like, we are very, very liberal for the most part. Right. I think it's always, it always depends, like, to me. Like, there's always different branches of stuff. That's the thing that's, that's so tough to me about politics nowadays. It's, there's so much more to choose from and so much more that you can be. And people just have, uh, like, stereotypes of what they think different people are. Like, I'm, I'm very left-wing, but, like, to me, it's never, like, it never, in, it never gets in the way of comedy to me. Like, like, to me, I'm never about that. I'm, like, you know, I'm always, like, the people that are actually, like, far left, like me and Liam, like, we don't care about jokes. We care about people being, you know, having jobs and being, you know. And not being homeless. A mutual amount of respect on and off the stage. It's like, yeah. So it's it's cool to hear different points of view in comedy, too. That's, like, a great thing. So I was just curious of, like, you... Did you keep it pretty, like, in between? Or did you get any pushback from any type of material that you're doing? Especially in those, like, coffee shop places, I would imagine. I wouldn't say pushback, but... You know, it sort of gives myself a lot of anxiety because I'm always questioning, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? It's like, right. I didn't, you know, a new person will not, never understand what they did wrong right. because they have to keep working. And I keep hearing this all the time. It's like, oh, you got to find your voice. Right. Me being close to four years in, I kind of know what I'm talking about currently. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk a lot about stuff I see in, like, pop culture news. Right. Um, pretty much stuff mainstream, Fox or CNN. Right. My favorite, my favorite news network, Barstool Sports. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
because like I, I want to talk about you know I want to talk about current trends but also make sure they're still up to date and relevant so that I'm not just like a weekend update on SNL right and in terms of like finding the voice like let's say um, let's say like Louis C.K. he's like a dad right comic. divorced dad talks about what it's like having kids he can express himself in a very dark way but also parents at least know what he's talking about or divorced parents stuff like that okay. Daniel Tosh is like the pop culture guy which is probably right. why I got into him so much oh yeah but surprisingly enough that's a guy that has very 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 bad anxiety off stage oh yeah he doesn't do any like this guy is axed to the grindstone just hammered the nail right on the head but you talk to him off stage apparently like he's just a very socially awkward guy yeah he doesn't do interviews i mean it's it's so funny like it's so weird like nowadays there's podcasts and there's you know you get comedians talking on podcasts all the time with each other and he doesn't do any of that stuff and it's not because he's not like a nice guy like he has a really great reputation as a comic and as a person he's just very shy yeah. So to be able to like get on stage and just have that like have that like thing that he has of being able to do that, that's really really good. That's really impressive to be able to to get that out of yourself and be like, you know what? Because I I deal with social anxiety all the time, and it's like I can't imagine like if you can't deal with it to that level, and then go on stage and be that great as he is just with everything because you know, people have different ways of just like coping with that anxiety like, yeah uh, for, for me i sort of just like break myself down a little bit i have to like leave the room and for like a few minutes and be like oh, shit i fucked that i'm so bad <laughs> right. some people you know they'll see him smoke out smoke outside or just go to the bar and just get drinks Right. Some guys just get like pissed off at everybody and just like take out the anger on them right I don't know if you noticed that with other comedians. I've seen other comics, like, have such a bad set. Oh, yeah. They have to, like, just talk shit about everybody. Everybody, yeah. Everything. It can be, it can be really tough. I'm not going to say any names. I've seen a, a comic, like, he had a bad set in a room where it was mostly comics. Right. So, you're not, you're not unfortunately, you're not working with the real audience, but. No, that's a t- You got to work with what you got. And yeah. the kid was talking of shit about all the comics. Uh, Mike itself, right? The host and the venue. It's like the venue should be the last thing. You should right, do. exactly. They're giving us the opportunity to do our thing, and you keep coming back. Yeah, the thing that's tough now, especially with stand up now, is not having that audience with post COVID. Like, it's so funny. I talk to people who you did comedy before COVID, so like, you get it. But like, I feel so like and having to explain to these people I feel like such an old person being like no we used to ambush people and do stuff and have audiences and <laughs> and now it's like you're performing in front of other comics which is the worst because comics are not mean per se or like it's not like a thing of like they're not laughing out of spite or anything it's just they're focused on their own set and it's tough to make us laugh because we have such a high standard. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. So, like, I was just thinking, you're, you're right. Nobody is, you know, no one's going to be a bully, be mean straight to your face. I mean, right. you can cherry pick and say 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> sure. But, but there are people that make you feel pretty outcasted. I don't know if you've dealt with that. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean... Like, just, like there's a comic that's well-respected in the scene, and, you know, you want to show them what you got, but... Right, exactly. it's not always... It's not always best to try to impress somebody, because they're already doing their own thing. They're right. I mean... That's a big thing that we always that I always talk about on this uh, on this podcast um, that uh, about like getting along with people because when I started it was very tough for me because I was younger than everyone. So I think I remember exactly the first time I kind of met you. Uh, me and my one buddy Preston, we oh. made an occasional trip to uh, Tim. No, not Tim. So what's called the Comic Oh yeah. So I remember you were sitting across like a table or a booth from me and I saw No Filter Paul and Dave Hodge. Oh, yeah. But I was like, oh, what a bunch of dicks. But I didn't realize they do that to everybody. They do that to everybody. I hate those guys. And you know what's so funny is No Filter Paul is like obsessed that I don't like him and that I'm like, I'm like, dude, I don't need to be friends with you. Like... It's cool that, like, I can be cordial with you, but, like, you don't have to, like, we don't have to be friends. It's fine. It's like, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm like, like I'm like, like I, I, I'm, in my, my point of view, I'm just saying, like, I've gotten along with him. He's giving me some great advice and perspective. Yeah. And I know, is he bullying you, like, you know, just because, like, he just wants to talk to Because a lot of people say people do stuff like that because it comes from a place of love, you know? Like, right. Which, just letting you know, I'm doing this to you because I want you to be accepted and I want you to be, like, if you think I'm bad, wait till the person that heckles you. Right. Your night, like a real person that heckles you, not, not even, like, that group of people at, at Scotty's just, hey, let me talk about my, oh, you have some drunk guy in the back corner of the room saying, right. suck, or just, just belligerence over your fucking set. Belligerence. Right. My tongue is dumb as fuck today. No, it's, it's, uh, I totally get what you mean. You know, with those guys, the comedy cult guys, they always view themselves sort of as that, like, if you ever see the show Tough Crowd, they kind of view themselves as that kind of, like, part of comedy. Yeah. So they sort of hold themselves... From that last night, actually. So they're sort of like that. They're sort of the wannabes of that. So there's no, like, really, like, badness towards them from that. They're just, they just have that sort of vibe. And uh, with them, it's always like... I haven't been to the comedy club in a long time because of... Just it being too far, and of course that it's like, you know, you're just like, oh, what do you want to deal with? What? You live near Asbury Park, don't you? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I live in Ocean Township, which is like very close. Like, it's the same area, basically. Is that Ocean Grove or is that something else? No, Ocean Grove is uh is close by though. Uh, that's pretty close. Okay, I was gonna say I went there last week. Yeah, my dad used to have a store down there. Uh. Now it's stores in Red Bank, but, uh, yeah, that's a great area. I like that area. There should be more comedy there, because there used to be stuff around the Jersey Shore area, and now we're kind of, like, going... It's it's coming back a little bit. There's a poetry scene now that's involved in in uh, in the mice that we're doing, so we're kind of sharing, like, the, the spotlight a little bit, and it's it's interesting, but we get along with them, and... Some of the poets are really good, and some of them are funny. But, and they have, like, a, it's in, they have the same type of thing that we deal with. 
with crowds and, like, having to find places to do stuff. But it's just... I don't know much about the shore mics and stuff. All I know is that, like, Mike Loro's... Yeah. Reserve thing is there. I definitely saw you with that. Yeah, I saw you with that, yeah. Town one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know anything. There's nothing on, like, places like what, Point Pleasant or... Yeah, call, call me a I don't know really what else is down there. Hello? Hello. Uh, yeah. Sorry, uh, give me one moment, I'll be right back. I'm sorry. I will, I'll give you Okay. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> it's about time. Sorry about that. I got groceries delivered, and I was like, this is a bad time to do this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just had to get paper plates. <laughs> yeah. It's always like... I'm I'm new to living by my, living in my own apartment, so... It's like... I have to do everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just the the, the common stuff that we just have to deal with, because that's just a common thing of, you get there and you never know how it's going to be, and how, uh, and how things are going to shake up, because mostly we get along, like, uh, I wanted to talk about the Scarlet Reserve is like a great place, like, I really like that room. Yeah, Mike Lowe's a great guy. He gave me a guest spot on one of the shows. And that, just that little town there, it's like there's a lot of opportunity there, not just his room. Like, if Mike wants to, say, set up a, another mic or another show. Right. Uh, one of the restaurants, maybe, like, even something like a park or something like that, if they ever thought about doing an outdoor show again. Right. But there's a lot of opportunity there. Yeah, and... The interesting thing is performing in front of, like, people that are stoned is so, it's so different. And it's like, I like it because they laugh more and my jokes are silly enough to work in that type of atmosphere. But it's like, it's fun, like, to see, like, how different people do with that. I wanted to talk about the Oh, sure. Yeah, totally. Have you ever, like, hosted a mic? I've hosted there. Anything of 
I hosted there with Dan actually last year. And uh yeah. And it was the most that we ever got to people to that venue, which was pretty awesome. But I just I don't like hosting because of the little stuff. Especially there. Like because I was going to host there for a little bit, but then there's, like, you got to go and get the key, and then you have to, like, open the doors and set stuff up and set chairs up. It's, I don't want to do any of that shit. <laughs> and then on top of, like, that, it's, like, remembering people's names, remembering uh, when you introduce people, you have to, especially if you want to do it good, is you have to, like, give people good introductions and remember credits it's a lot of extra shit. <laughs> and, like, when you first start hosting, it's like, remembering names is the bitch of it. But, like, yeah. I hosted at least probably a dozen times. Yeah. Not a lot, but I should be able to, like, have an idea of what it is right now. Like, I have some issues still where, let's say, if you, you know, made it on, like, Jimmy Fallon or something like that, and I want to introduce you or something, I would just simply say something like, Ah, uh, this man needs no introduction, but I'm going to give it anyway. He's from the What the Heck with Dweck podcast. Right. You know him, you love him. Richard Dweck, but I'm so dumb. Like, I can't even bring up my own friends sometimes. I'll just be like, uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's bring up our next comic. It's uh, Richard Dweck. And right. I'm like, oh, wow, I could have right. talked for, for three seconds, but time is a weird concept with it. Yeah, it is. And you never know, like... That's one of the toughest things to learn in comedy is timing and everything. Like, I'm writing... Oh, sorry. Oh, that's fine, it's fine. Um, but, I, just want, I just wanted to say when I saw you at that mic, like, yeah. what Max was doing, she was doing too much time in between. Yeah, comics. she does too much time. I understand there were, what, no, it's... At least seven or eight of us, so yeah. we experiment as much She does too much time... Do, She's not. If you, have, if you have a good joke or two, or maybe like right. a fraction of a bit you're working on, I would say do thirty seconds to a minute. I was looking at my phone. I'm like, no, he was doing five minutes in between us. I mean, I hate to say anything bad about her because we get along really well, but like, yes, it's not good what she does, and uh, I'm not. I'm not bad mouthing. No, I understand. I totally understand, but. I'm just telling you that we know. <laughs> we, <yeah. laughs> it's like, <laughs> that's why when VJ hosts once in a while, we get a lot more people. <laughs> so, so it's like, yeah, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting place because that was, that was run by another comic and Max. And then we, a few years ago, and then the, they brought it back and it's just that's the toughest one because it's more of a that's the most uh we've gotten a couple audience members to come but for the most part it's very much like a comic like only type of mic which is tough as we mentioned because you're just sort of like you feel like you're just in front of like a group of friends really you're not really performing it feels like talking that's the only problem that i have with those Types the of places. I can't get out of my head is just being able to say the same things to the people that I know. Right, exactly. Because let, let's say when I get there and I discover it's just comics, I'm like, fuck, I don't even want to do this now because right. I've done the same thing for you. I'm going to get the same reactions. Right. I'm going to get no, 
No results, really. No. <laughs> just, like, apathy. It's just, like, okay. It's, like, yeah. And it's, like, there's a, there's a sort of... When there's an audience, there's, like, a... There's a performance aspect to it. So you, you know when people are going to react to certain shit. And then when they give you nothing, it's, like, okay. There's nothing here. <laughs> it's, like... That's the that's the one thing that's like different about like shows and stuff that makes like that stuff better. It's like at least audiences want to be there and like it gives you a little bit of a like okay they're gonna laugh. Like I said, results matter. Right, results they do matter. And results may vary. So. Right, and for me it's always that's a big thing too. But like you mentioned, like timing and everything. Like I I know when I I've been for the past two years, like, since the pandemic, I'm sorry, like, 2020, I started writing my hour, and I have, like, 30 minutes, but it's, like, if I go too fast, I can get through it in, like, 15, so it's, like, I have to remind myself, like, to pace myself, and, like, all this stuff, and that's one of the things that's, like, really into it is there's a lot of intricate parts to doing stand-up that a lot of people don't think of. Um, yeah, I'm still learning something new every day. Um, trying to think what I learned recently. Uh, now, I think you should be open-minded all the time and give constructive criticism to somebody. Oh, yeah. And you got to be a little aggressive with it. But I, like I said before, I can't say any names because I'm not trying to start anything. Right. But the people that are talking shit about mics, other comics, and venues continuously and just doing the same bar show or same backroom show to a place that you know there's no growth oh i agree there's no growth within the venue there's no growth within the person uh what i'm trying to say is that just stop you can talk shit right as long as it puts somebody in their place yeah you need to know hey abc are the reasons why you're not getting anywhere xyz should help and you know you gotta be a little disturbed with that because these people that I know were just saying, like, this guy sucks. Why does he get booked so much? Right. Well, because I talked to everybody, because I want to improve. Right. Go places that are not within a 10 mile radius. Right. And with me, it's like, I haven't been, I've been through a dry spell of not getting booked for a long time. And for me, I don't take it personal because I know that since COVID, there's not a whole lot of places to perform, and there's new comics. And, like, I, I kind of joke about it that, like, I had my run in, like, 2017. Like, I started in 2015. 2017, I was getting booked a whole lot. And then COVID happened. And <laughs> nothing. So, it's like, and you can't be bitter about it. You can't be, you can't take anything personal. Because, of course, people are going to book, people are going to book who's good. And they're going to book their friends. It just happens. People are just going to get used to, okay, if this person's close enough to the venue... I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna book this person, you know. Yeah, there's a few rooms in the Jersey area where I accepted that it's like, okay, I don't think I'm going to get on their good side at all. Right. But I'm certainly not on their bad side. Right. I will stop going to certain open mics because, like I said, there's no results. There's no results. Yeah. It's just recycling the same people, and you're just performing for comics. So it's like, why should I right. waste my time? And you just need to find those places. And I think that's really cool that you do that, that you find new places to perform. Like, I love, like, when I 
Jimbo Vidya, what's been great is, like, I was able to go to Wilmington and, like, near Philly and stuff and, like, do... And places like, uh, The Rat. The Rat, and uh, that's farther, and, like... What's the other place? Uh, Forge Tavern? Forge Tavern. And, like, those are at least be able to get out of the way. Because when you're stuck in the same area, you just get stuck in the same place and you get complacent. And it's, like, I... There's a mic that I go to on Mondays in, uh, um, in Eatontown, uh, no, Long Branch, in Long Branch, uh, okay. on Mondays, it's Nip and Tuck Bar, and I love going there, but, and that's where we have most of the poetry with us, and, like, those crowds are, those are really good, those, those people, they laugh at my stuff, but also it's almost too much, it's almost, like, too easy, so I don't really like like it that much. I'm like, I want to perform in other places where <laughs> it's sort of like a torturous thing. It's like, I don't want, I, I don't want it to be easy. Like, I don't want the easy way. Oh, I, gonna, I, I want to be like, yeah. I want to go to a place like, where I'm like, a certain comic or a, say a bar regular and they're always laughing at like everything and right. anything. I'm like, the first time you experience that, you're like, holy, oh, oh my God, I'm crushing. Right. And then the second time you're like, this, this guy will laugh if a freaking pencil fell on the floor. Like, right, exactly. And to to us, I think we always had that high standard of what we want to do. So to me, I'm always like looking for new places to perform. And just because I want to share my stuff and show that I have that credibility of that I can perform well. Because yeah, you don't yeah. want to get that false sense of security of like you go to... Because that'll happen. I know... I know um, there's a guy that I'm very close with in our area of comedy, and, like, he's great, but he has a very, uh, like, specific way that he does comedy. And he went to another venue and bombed really, really bad, and it's never really been the same for him. What's the specific way you mean? He, like, he just has a specific style that's... I like it, but, like, you have to sort of be around it a while to understand it. And it became very popular in our area. And he became sort of very popular. But then he went to another venue. And it was a different crowd of comics. And it just didn't go well. And he's still doing stand-up. But, like, he's never really recovered from that big bomb. And that's just the same thing of, like, you don't go to different areas. You're not going to be ready for that. It's sort of like... If you're, if you're like, a big fish in a small pond in one area, and then you go to a bigger pond, it's like, well, shit, now stuff is gonna... Now you have to really deliver, and that can be tough. Um, but like I said, but, yeah, but like I said before, uh, results may vary, because... Right. You know, maybe you just had the wrong audience that night, maybe they were... Some people aren't expecting a comedy night. Some people are expecting a certain person. Oh, yeah. Like a, here's, here's a good example. I went to do Chris Park's City Lounge show this past Thursday. And you know, I got through my set. Right. I consider it a bomb because my results were bad. I was just getting tiny chuckles. And it was just... The, he- the headliner was Gina DiMaggio, and Gina, I love her. Oh, love yeah. The audience was there for her. Right. Respect that. So they're probably just giving us little chuckles the entire time, and then I can only assume when Gina went up, she crushed. Right. she does. Yeah. You know, 
if they were there for comedy, they would be like, oh my God, that was great to everybody. Right. I was there for like, including myself, maybe like three, four performers. And then I'm just like, yeah, I'm not here. Right. Chris, great guy. Oh yeah, he's great. I haven't been able to go to that that ever. I want to go to that so bad, but so far from me. And, uh, but is that like, this is like a, an in-depth question kind of, but like, how's the stage like there? Is it like a good size? Like, well, we performed outside. Oh, awesome. I would like to say, I would like to say for the turnout, it was very good, but one of the things too, why I don't think people were laughing as much is because it was so damn humid outside. Mm-hmm. So we, we performed on little terrace under a tent outside, so it was pretty roomy. Normally, we perform the open mic inside. Right. And it's like, um, picture, like, I guess the same size as the rat with the right. basement with the bar, but we're, you know, in a more upstairs area. Uh, just same dimensions, really. But we perform next to, like, a touch tunes machine with a wireless mic. Right. But... It's like any other place. It's hit or miss. You got some bar regulars like, oh, there's comedy tonight. Let's watch it until they leave. Right. Some comics make people leave because they're just ignorant as fuck. And they're like, okay, this guy's not funny. I'm uncomfortable. Let's go. Right. I've only ever had a bomb there. I've gone there a handful of times and I like it. It's fun. Yeah. I really want to go there because uh, I, I like Chris, but I never get to see him that much. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I see him every once in a while, and he's always one of those great guys that's, like, he's one of those people that, like, I knew on Facebook before I knew him in person, so it's, like, it's, like, oh. <laughs> and then I see him, and I'm, like, oh, yeah, we're great. Like, oh. <laughs> I think he's the guy that just, like, friend requests all the comics. Yeah. He wants all the comics to know what he does. So I feel like, so I felt like, okay, I need to really meet this guy, because, like, I like him, and I like his stuff, but I want to see him perform. Because I haven't really seen him. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm the opposite. It's like, I need to meet you first before you send me the friend request. Right. And I sound like a dick for that, but it's like, I just don't want anybody yeah. requesting me just to invite me to. Right. You, like, like my podcast, like my second podcast, like right. side project. Right. Side well, what I, just, what I do specifically is I, I always make sure it's like more than 12 people is like my sort of like thing is like because you know you always have common friends with people and i check like if they're in the area and if they're like if they know certain people so like if they're friends with certain usual friends with certain people that's usually a good like thing for me to tell okay this person's cool like this person is yeah i'll see them right i'll see them in a while they're funny and they have a hundred mutual friends that doesn't matter right you meet them it's not the same no, it can be. And it's interesting how you mentioned, like, when you went to, uh, um, what was it? What's the, what's the place that you said you were performing? Uh, is that Nevada, right? Oh, Nevada, yeah. 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 And, uh, like, if you want to know about that, the culture of New Jersey is light years different from the Nevada. Oh, I can imagine. Culture. Uh, last year, like, I could see New York and New Jersey having their similarities, but you know, there's di- there's still different styles of it, considering we're state to state. Oh yeah, but, you know, I'm going three time zones over. I'm not in Los Angeles. I'm not in Oregon, Seattle. I'm in I'm in another melting pot of the world, really. Right. People come there to party and you know seek entertainment. So I can imagine that's a very like yeah, that's a very party like 
centered area. To me, like, the only other place that I ever performed in besides New York and New Jersey was uh, last year I went to um, Texas. I went to Austin for three days, which was which was really awesome. I got to stay with another comic, and it was during the time that uh, we went to this specific club because Joe Rogan was supposed to buy it. He ended up not buying it, but uh, so there was a lot of comics down in that area, like, in that area, so it was just infiltrated with a bunch of comics, but... It was so cool to, like, see comedy, like, it's the same everywhere, like, as an art form. Even though they're comics, you don't know any of them, so right. you have to kind of start over. And the only thing that was different about it was that it was Texas, so it was, their COVID laws were pretty much non-existent. Like, there were no masks, it was like, it was like really being on a different planet. And the last, the last night I was there was really great because I got to do like, comedy all day, like, from 3.30 to t- in the afternoon to 10.30 at night, just doing mics, and it was just, like, this is so awesome, just to be able to to go to different places and, like, all in walking distance and just, like, be like, oh, this is great, like, <laughs> It's so weird how things have changed with COVID because uh, the last place that I went to was uh, Louisiana. Oh. Mm-hmm. So I went down there and I make it through TSA and there's a whole, it, you know, it's a very light time at night domestically, so not a lot of people flying out yet. Right. So I make it to the end of the gate and the guy's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, what? He's like, you don't need a mask. I'm like, huh? I'm like, yeah, we got rid of masks a while ago. No, no TSA was wearing it. No, like, staff was really wearing it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. You didn't eat on the plane at all. Optional again, but Right. When I was on the plane there it wasn't uh and back it was they were pretty strict about it, but it was uh there it wasn't. And it was like, Oh, this is nice weather out and it was it's just like cool. And it was cool to meet other comics. And that was the that was always the like the the fun thing was also the Facebook thing of like oh these people have like mutual friends it's of mine it's like that's crazy like you never know who's gonna know each other that's a that's what it was the first time I went out to Vegas because the first place uh, you asked when I did comedy out there I went to a mixed mic go figure yeah <laughs> it was called uh, the Cork and Thorn so it was uh, in the Arts District of North Vegas so a little bit near Fremont Street a little more like uh upscale like christmas lights and stuff everywhere still at the time just a mm-hmm. uh, little like i said it was like an artsy fartsy town so you could go to a mic you go to a poetry slam go to like a little art expo so this place was a mixed open mic it was uh they purposely put up the comedians just to, like get them out of the way oh yeah they do poets and then rappers acoustic guitars musicians right after but uh that one was, it was fun, but it was stupid, too, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because the host didn't really give you an intro. It was, it was, they want, you know, they want to make it quick, like, on deck is Richard Dweck, but first Nick Bailey, like that. So that's right, fine, they did that, yeah. They did it a little too quickly, like, 
all right, blah, 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 boring shit, boring shit. And our first comedian of the night, Nick. Uh, Nick Bailey. Like, that's how it went. Wow. Uh, and then they only gave us three minutes. Three minutes. Oh, three my God. Minutes. It's like, that's, I heard it on tight five, but, oh, shit, tight three? Yeah, that's and why I don't do, uh... Was, like, a bitch to all of us because she's like, you're doing too much time. And I'm like, well, where was the light? Because she did not light any comic at all. Right. And that's the one reason why, like, I don't do... Another reason why I don't do comedy covers is they do, like, three minutes. And, like, other places, uh, what is it, the, the Stress Factory, when they did mics, they would have uh, three-minute sets. And that's just... That's well, tough to... like, five, six if Gene forgets to, like, oh, start really? the time. <laughs> yeah. The thing that my only complaint about the Cove is that $7. Oh. And, like, okay, I want to get some cheap... Oh, it's $4, and I have to tip three. It's like, ah. Right, exactly. Business. Yeah. Uh, so the second thing that I did in Nevada was a place called uh, the Founders Club, and that was a little more legit. They had, like, slot machines and uh, electronic machines in one part of the room, and then the other side was the stage. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, I'm in a casino slash club, so that's interesting. Right. And on that, on that one, you know, a Jersey Mike once in a while, you're going to get, like, 20-something comics on a list. This one had 30 people by sign-up. Oh. At least, I, if I remember correctly, maybe 36, and it was a long night, too, so yeah. more people kept coming in. I could assume there would have been, like, 40-plus people. That happened to me when uh, when I was at the uh, the uh, Club of the Creek in the Cave in Texas and Austin. In Austin and yeah, yeah, and that was the one that uh, Joe Rogan was supposed to buy in Texas, but he didn't end up buying. It. But uh, so people were so there was a lot of people there because Joe Rogan had just moved down there, so a lot of people were visiting. So there was a lot more people. So there were thirty comics, and the night before we when we had done the first mic there, it was um, it was uh, naming that it was putting your. Uh, Name in that in a hat, so like or like a bucket, so like that was the system. So we pretty much like got used to that, and then the next night, which was like our last night, my last night there, it was a list because it was a different host. So I ended up being like, it was like thirty comics, we're like thirty three, we're like <laughs> we're like the last two, we're like shit, we have to be somewhere in <laughs> like twenty minutes. I hosted at the Wawa. Bergen. Yeah. I, literally a year ago, because I was prepping for one of my shows. Yeah. And I think I had to host for at least close to thirty people. And uh, you know how the place is. Like even though we had people. Yeah. Like enough people to start the mics, people don't want to go upstairs yet. So I'm there from what like eight thirty or nine o'clock to at least one in the morning. Yeah. The, those are I I haven't been to that one a whole lot. I haven't ever done the mic there. I went to day, I went to it a couple times. For shows and stuff. And, uh... It's just, like... That's a whole... Uh... That's a whole nother crew of people. And I get along with them pretty well. But it is, like, a specific... Like, group of people. So... <laughs> I'm always, like... They're always, like... You know, you gotta... Like, I, I fit in pretty well with them. But there's a... There's a mix there where it's, like, okay. Am I gonna get... Like, time? What's gonna happen? And, uh... I got a, I, 
I would probably go there more if it was if I had a ride there to go closer. But uh, it's um. Have you done a um? Was it uh? Have you done the Montclair one? The uh, I forgot the name of it. The meat locker. Meat locker. That's what the game is. Meat I something. Was yeah. Uh, yeah, I've done it. I think three, maybe four times, and each one was fun. I've never performed. I uh, well, I did. Uh, Chris can bring down like a few random people off the street every now and again, and right. you know, yeah, we have, we have a mini audience to work with. Right. Another room, mostly comics, but it's like, oh shit, I could just pay attention to these four people. I could pay attention to these eight people here. Right. And it's good. It's all good. Yeah, I did... I went to, uh... Mark's, uh... Mark Henley's, uh... birthday there. Like, he had, like, a roast battle... They had, like, a roast battle thing there. So, uh... Yeah, yeah. And that was cool, but... What was interesting about it was... That... Since you've been there, you know what it looks like. It's like... Th- that reminded me of when I started out doing comedy, of, like, the places that we would go to. Like, the weird areas that we would end up in like there was this one uh there was this one show that these companies used to have which was where uh they would have random people like strangers like their friends that don't do stand-up you write a joke like you write like three jokes and then you have a normal person that's not a stand-up comedian at all do them so like you write material and then like normal people just perform it in this basement <laughs> and it was like a really interesting concept because or it was or no it was the other way around they would write jokes for you and then you would perform it so like they would write jokes and then like they would try to write jokes you know non-comedians and then you would have to make a set out of it and then some people did it the other way around but it was like you know but it was um it was really interesting to do that just be like, oh, okay. So, but yeah, that was, that. that's just what the meat lock reminded me of, just being in an area like that. Like, it's kind of a creepy looking place with all the writing on the wall and stuff. And then you're like, this is just like, it, it fits its name though. <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> but I like that there was like a pizza place across the street from, I was like, this is really good. Like, They got, they got a lot though. They definitely got a lot. Yeah, and those people are just those. That group of comics is always great. The uh, the uh, comedy fight club people. Have you done uh, any of the comedy fight club stuff? I was asked to do one back in May, but the weekend—that's when I was going to Louisiana. Uh, they were like, "Hey, you want to do it in a couple weeks?" I'm like, "I have a flight booked, but let uh, me know the next one." Have you done any uh, like roast battle stuff at all? I've only ever done one roast, and it was for one of one of these old friends of mine from up in the Hudson Valley, really. Uh, Surprisingly enough, he quit comedy. I think he just got sick of it eventually. Right. But, um, like, it was just, you know, like his birthday roast. That's the only thing I've ever done. i never done, like, a legitimate one, like, fight club or right. heckle thing down in New York. Yeah. Because I've never really experimented with that besides, like, because I never roasted people that I don't know well. Right. That's the hardest part. <laughs> and that's one of the things is like when you're first meeting someone and that's what you have to do is write jokes about them. It's the, just the most toughest things. Like even if you learn stuff about them, it's like a weird way to meet. 
because you're like, okay, we're gonna start our relationship by insulting each other for fun. <laughs> and I feel like with the person that I met has been doing it for so long, and I haven't, yeah. I feel like they'll win by default. Because, right, exactly. Like, they have the audience on their side. You're right. They have seen already, and but I still, got, I still gotta do it. Right, and it's a good test of like writing skill and like how you're able to like figure out sort of and also get you used to um different crowd reactions because people are very used to uh laughter as comics but the one thing that people like when there's tension even like good tension like that's a good way to like figure out like how you perform in that space of like what type of reactions you get if that makes any type of sense yeah like you're just like okay well like i i noticed i heard that can be like really difficult if it's like if it's like man versus woman and like those type of things like it can be very tough for like guys to do jokes because it just sounds like you're being mean and it's like the toughest thing for people because you always want to have that level of like well we're not just insulting each other these are like written out like jokes like the written out things which is something i really gotta like get my nose into yeah because after i can like roast somebody that i know maybe it'll build off of something else and maybe they'll be like oh you're good you gotta try this thing next time or you gotta be on this next part of the roast just something that will lead me to the next thing right so how has people that don't even go to open mics that much that i still keep seeing getting booked I'm like, yep, I'm missing out. Right. Well, a lot of that is, uh, that someone, the only thing that I dislike about certain areas of comedy, especially with those guys, is it's a lot of like a hang type of thing. So a lot of people who don't really do stand up that intensely are getting booked a whole lot, which is frustrating. That's the only thing that frustrates me. It's, like, I don't want to, like, ever, like, say, like, who's not a real quote-unquote comic or whatever. But, like, there are a lot of people who just get into comedy in any type of area. Just, like, through friends. And then if they stick with it long enough, they'll be, like, a regular comic like you and I. But there can be that, like, space where it's, like, oh, this person is just hanging out. And... If they love stand-up, they'll stay with it, and it'll be, like, something that they actually do. But it can be very tough when those uh, people get on shows. You're just like, yeah. You're just like, oh. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good way to put it. You're just like, oh, there's some stealers, yeah. And it's like, you never want to be... I never want to be in that way of, like, sort of, I don't know, judging people too much. But uh, I want to ask, uh, before I wrapped up, was, uh, how's your, uh, like family with uh, you doing comedy like are they supportive um not really no <laughs> but I think they've grown on to a little bit more because they can see I've been you know making money within it right a lot of friends within it right and you know that's something that in my teens I didn't have I didn't have like a clicks right or group of friends or a selective group of people to even like you know call friends at all and with comedy I know hundreds upon hundreds of people now where it doesn't matter if I hang out with them on the weekends or once in a while I have people to talk to and you know just be comfortable with and isn't that 
in terms of making money, it's like it's led to a lot of photo, video gigs, producing gigs, etc. Like right. I, and a lot of people are giving me like ten steps ahead already. They're like, oh man, you're gonna get you're gonna get that Netflix special soon. I, I hope you make it. And I'm like, I don't even think I'm gonna make it sometimes. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's always cool to get that encouragement of just like, and that's one of the cool things I love about comedy too is like, it gives you that sense of like a place in the world of like, these are my people, these are the people that I'm friends with. And it really gives you a good community. That's one of the things that's like awesome about it. And this is like the the best thing that's like, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm positively happy right now, so. Right, exactly. It's being in that, at least you're in the ballpark of the area that you want to be where you're like, you're close to it. You're like, you can just like, you can almost taste it. You're just like, this is where it is. And if I just keep on trudging on and working hard at it, it'll be. Yeah, and like, because the area that you're in, you're always with Caprio, DJ, Dolesky, and yeah. a handful of people, I'm assuming. So, yeah. you know, as long as you're happy with them, dude, stick with it. And yeah. And don't take criticism from people that are just trying to keep you in the same place. You just got to get out of the comfort zone a little bit and oh, for sure. keep writing, figure out what works, organize it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's... And with me doing this long, you've probably seen I've, like, done a lot of work and met a lot of famous people in the past year alone. Oh, yeah. They keep they keep telling me the same thing. Of, oh, just keep getting on stage. Right. Oh, you want to get better? Well, you just got to get more time on stage. I'm like, there, I don't think there's any keys to it, really. Right. It's just amount of hard work and respect, really. Yeah. That's one, been one of the coolest things about doing this podcast is uh, when I've interviewed, like, a couple headliners and people that are, like, actually, like, pretty notable from doing this, they're all super nice and all super great. I haven't really met anyone who's, like, an asshole. It's been... And it's been so cool. It's just, like, that they sort of recognize, like, us as comics. It's kind of cool, too. Like, no matter what level you're at, they they recognize you. And it's it's super cool to, like, see that. And... Acknowledgement is why there's so many, like, uh, I don't know... So, there's so many depressed, anxious people, and they're all looking for attention. There are such narcissists everywhere. Right. They just want to, like I, like we said before, finding your voice. Like, people want right. their voice to be understood, not just heard. Right. And to me, the thing, like, the finding your voice thing is so funny. What I didn't get to say was, uh, like, to me, it always changes. And it's not those, and it's not those chickens outside. Right. <laughs> it always changes for me it's like i i I sometimes get it like the thing that happens with me is like i'll get down to like a group where i'm like okay i really know like what i'm talking about and i really like where i'm at because for the longest time and i think you can relate to this i think anyone can relate to this when we start doing comedy we have like an idea in our head of what we want to be able to be doing but it's not until you've been doing it a while until it sort of gets clearer that you're able to do stuff you're like okay, now I can do longer bits. Now I can, now I know how to do, how to write, like, actual jokes. Like, when I started, I say, it took me maybe two years to learn how to technically write, like, a setup punchline, like, technical joke. Because when you start out, it's just, like, you're doing stories or you're doing, like, premises. Yeah, yeah. And stories is definitely the hardest thing, because stories, you just got to make it as natural as possible. I don't right. think you should force it because 
I have a joke about like how I met Kevin Hart, and I try to turn that into a story. But like, I mean, I excuse me, I try to turn that into like a joke with like a big punchline at the end, and right. it's never really, it's never really, uh, it's never really stuck the landing. Oh. So that I figure, I just like keep working on it until I find something, or just keep telling the story until I find an appeal to it. Right. That was, uh, what was that like, meeting him? Um, well, that, like, that was during a time where I wasn't doing comedy. Oh, you were working uh, backstage at Bethel Woods, home of the Woodstock. Oh. And uh, he was on tour. It was the Irresponsible Tour when he was doing, like, Pavilion. So he was doing that place, and he was doing, what, uh, the PNC Bank down by you probably the next day. Oh, wow. So it was a small, small pavilion arena tour, and I really, realistically only met him for what five seconds, because I had to go downstairs and like clean up him and his crew's like garbage and stuff like that. I was doing fish work there. Right. So it was like two seconds of just like, oh hey, how's it going? Uh, shut the fuck up out there. <laughs> and then. And then uh, I had to hold open the door for him so they could go with their tour bus. And he was like, yo, man, have a good night, all right? I'm like, yeah, that's a good guy right there. <laughs> that, that, that's the only, like, verbal interaction I had with him. And I was like, nice to meet you. Thank you. Right. But good guy, good guy. Right, that's always so cool when you get to have those little moments. Of like, oh, yeah, that person's like a person. Like, they're actual, like, <laughs> they're real. <laughs> I, I, I think he's, like, probably one of the biggest A-list celebrities that I've met. Like, the first celebrity I ever met was uh, Samuel Jackson, but that was, oh. I was, like, 10. Right. And everything else is just... I, I've met at least a few dozen celebrities in my life where it's just kind of normal to me now. Right. I used to just... I used to fanboy. I'm like, oh, my God, uh, you're, you're him. And, but now I'm just like, hey, uh, how's your day been? Right. Nice? <laughs> cool. Um... Well, this happened. See you later. Right. I'm a little awkward about it, but I don't want to treat them as if I'm just another, like, stan or fan or anything. Right. And that's, like, the coolest way to be, like, with people just to, like, have that, have that sort of approach to it. I think that's a really, like, good thing to do. To me, I, I would before, have. Uh, before we wrap it up, did you have any questions? Because I had one little story. I oh, sure. Tell. Sure. Um, what, what? Well, you first, you first. Well, the only thing that I usually ask like to wrap it on is like have you had any we talked a little bit about like different crowds and stuff do you have any interesting like heckler stories that stand out to you in terms of hecklers not so much because when it comes to my shows i i don't want to jinx it i probably will now i have never dealt with anything major at a show like a drunk heckler or right. angry a crowd talking over me the whole time Eventually, I will face that because, you know, you have to. Right. In terms of open mics, the last thing that me and my friends have probably dealt with was at, I think it was at Scotty's, actually, at the Comedy Cove. There was, like, uh, a group of women talking over everybody's set. Uh, and then, like, they just wouldn't stop. It had, it, I think by the time we got to, like, the sixth or seventh comic, mm -hmm. like, one of my friends was, like, telling them to shut the fuck up and then it got like quiet as a pen yeah. because 
there's some stuff that I should not say on this podcast until I get famous. So, right. I'm, for that, I will say, like, I screamed at them, and then my friend got to scream at them more. It was just, uh, it, was, it, it was atrocious. Yeah, I've been, like, the mix. Like, when I started, when I first had, like, stuff like that happen to me, because when I used to do brainer shows in New York, uh, I, it would always piss off older people, like elderly people in the crowd when I did my religious jokes, because I did like atheist jokes, and I would always feel so bad. I'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, I made your grandmother upset. <laughs> but then you're like, then an 80-year-old heckles you. If it works for you, it works for you. But then like an 80-year-old heckles you, and then you... At the end of the day, will you see them again? Most yeah. Not. And now my problem is like, I used to be so timid, and like, if I ever offended someone, I like apologize, like leave right away and get off stage. And then now I've spun the other way where I'm way too mean with stuff sometimes when I get, <laughs> so it's like, I had to find like a busy, me- a, a happy medium of like, okay, don't go too hard because <laughs> you still want people to like you. <laughs> you can't be like, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but what was the thing, the story you wanted to tell? Um, so like I said before, like, just the advice that I've been given by mm-hmm. all the people around the world. You've probably seen the last person I met on my Instagram was Michael Che from SNL. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and he was really, really funny. It was one of my friends that wanted to meet him more so. We just went up to him and was like, hey, we're open mic comics and we're just wondering for a selfie or two. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. Because like, he deals with it all the time. He must. Mm-hmm. But then we got to hang out with him for like an hour. Oh, that's awesome. really, really cool. He was giving us like you're just asking us mostly questions, just like how long you've been doing this for, who have you worked with, what do you want to do, and some stuff that was very simple, like what do you want to do? I'm like, shit, what do I want to do? So we got down to the gist of that, and one of the funniest, here's the two funniest things. He was like, all right, if you want to be a better comic, this is what you're going to do. Have you ever seen Groundhog Day? And I'm like, what, the Bill Murray movie? I'm like, no, why? He's like, okay then. Have you ever watched The Matrix? And I'm like, okay, I've definitely seen The Matrix. I love Keanu Reeves. And he's like, all right, I need you to rewatch that and rewatch Groundhog Day. I'm like, well, why? And he's like, because you're stuck. Like, what? He's like, I guess those are the plots of the movie. You're like right. trapped in this cycle of something. And I don't know. I, I'll, I'm probably going to have to rewatch these movies soon. But he made some clear points of what I'm dealing with. Right. And I'm like, okay, I can agree with that. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, thank you so much. And then this is where it got weird. Nothing with me or my friend. But there were a few people sitting at the bar with him, and they were fine. But there was a guy next to him that was so drunk that there was, came a point that he recognized him. He was like, oh, my God. You're the guy from TV. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And we were like, oh, shit. <laughs> Right. This guy's going to annoy him to death, and he did, because he went up to Michael Che and was like, so I'm, I'm, I work for a t-shirt printing company, and I've been working on these designs, and I, I want you to put them on TV, he, and he was clearly annoyed by that, so <laughs> Michael Che said, nobody likes a kind rapist. <laughs> because he was just egging him on, like it could have just been like, what do you think I should do with my entrepreneurship? No, he was like, I have this thing and you're famous, help me. And he was just like, okay, that just happened. Mike, nice to meet you. Have a good night. And right. that was something. Oh my God. 
I could not imagine having. I can't imagine the balls like that guy. But to say that, like, that's also a funny thing. You're like, yeah. He's probably dealt with that so much that he's just like, yep. He's such a great. And then, oh, oh, I missed one detail. What was funny is that I laughed so hard at that. The drunk guy was like, he looked at me. He said, you know what? You're a dick for laughing at that. And then Michael Shea said, well, at least he's not a rapist. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. That's like that is that's a really crazy thing. And that's like that's so weird that like I can like it's so funny like the things in your mind that happen is like just imagining him at like weekend update like in the outfit like no one likes the Colin jokes. Colin Joe's giving him the like look that he's <laughs> So you got you got that first five minutes from the the very beginning that we did for Yeah, yeah, out, right? I do. Yeah. Okay, good. So that'll be that'll be on top of this in the beginning, of course, and it'll all be it'll all be great. So uh, Yeah, dude, I hope to see you probably in the next few weeks. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I got my four shows in August. They, they kind of just came out of nowhere, but... Right. You know, I, I got to stay busy, so... So, uh, what are... Where are those shows? Let me see. I'm going to swipe up to my poster, actually, because, dude, I've been so busy, I'm forgetting how busy I am, if that makes sense. Right. So, August 5th. I'm doing a spot at the Producers Club in New York City. Nothing too big, but it'll be fun. I know some people on that already. Mm-hmm. Uh, August 12th at Absalom in Teaneck, New Jersey. It's like a hookah lounge type room, but they've been booking people nonstop. And me and Basim Tanozi, that you probably know, we got oh, a yeah. show together. Uh, August 17th, that's my birthday. I'm doing Real Talk Comedy. That's Mr. Direct Show and iceland new jersey i think he said it's at a brewery maybe a little restaurant pub and last august 27th i said before noreen's last las vegas nevada it's a pittsburgh steelers themed bar with a comedy club in the back and can't wait to get to all this oh what's your uh, what's your social media stuff uh, you can find me on facebook just nick bailey okay uh, instagram nv bailey x I have a business page, uh, Envy underscore pictures underscore New York. That's my photo and video work. Oh, um, awesome. Twitter, same handle as Instagram. Don't have a Snapchat, uh, right. but you should really follow me on MySpace. <laughs> Miss MySpace. I thought, that, I thought that was funny. Yes, that is. <laughs> you have to think about that. Yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> All right, good. Thank you. So, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, for sure. I'll totally have to have you on again, uh. Soon. Definitely. I'll let you know. Yeah, all right. Okay. Bye. And that was what the heck was whacked. Right. Peasants. Right. And cut. Right. <laughs>